Welcome into the Titan-Sized Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan-Sized Podcast, Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas. The Tennessee Titans took on the Carolina Panthers on Saturday at Nissan Stadium. They defeated the Panthers in a meaningless preseason game, but there were a lot of takeaways. And we're going to start off by talking about the man under center, that's Marcus Mariota. In the first game against the Jets, we saw that he was healthy. Yesterday, we saw that he was, I mean, he was 100%. He looked, he, I don't know if it's, I don't know what to say. He just looked really, really good yesterday. Yeah, he did. Um, he looked good in the first game, too. On the first play of the game, he uh, uh, he rolled out to his right, and uh, he looked as mobile as ever. And you saw it uh, in this game also uh, when the fan called that read option. And uh, he took it nine yards to his right also, and he looked just as fast as he as he's always been, which is really good to see. And even better than just seeing uh, that his legs are healthy, uh, it's seeing him not rusty in terms of his passing, his timing with his receivers, a lot of which are new receivers. So to see him in sync uh, within the offense uh, was really good. And, I mean, he's primed for a huge season coming up and, uh, everything until this point uh, points to that. Yeah, uh, the word poised is overused in the preseason, but he looked really comfortable back there. You know, whether it was a three-step drop, whether he was carrying the ball, whether he's delivering it to Delaney Walker, who's multiple pro bowler, or Trey McBride, who might not make the roster. I mean, he looked comfortable with everybody. He, he looked really crisp. Someone else that looked mm-hmm. really, really good yesterday was Kevin Byard. One point I tweeted out that he's going to be a star, and the reason I say that is because he just looks. I mean, I in my mind, I feel like he could be as good as Earl Thomas in that he plays all over the field. He's a sideline to sideline safety. He can make big hits in the running game. He can take away the middle of the field in the passing game. I think he's in for a really, really good sophomore season after having to play strong safety in the box most of the time as a rookie. Yeah, and he's still kind of kind of playing inside the box. Uh, we've seen it through the first these first two preseason games. Uh, he's pretty much omnipresent at this point. He's just everywhere, everywhere around the field. Um, you see him in the box. He's he's cutting into the backfield, making plays on running backs, tackling for loss. Um, he's covering on the back end, and he's picking up fumbles, cut uh, forced fumbles. Like he's really everywhere. And um, he, he, right now. It, it seemed, I'm not going to say he's the best defensive player we have because Brian Arakpro and Jarrell Casey are, are still there, but he's he might be the third best player on our defense right now. Yeah, he really does everything. Uh, I know every week I start tweeting out, you know, he may be the team's best corner, safety, and linebacker because he just is everywhere. You know, he always has a knack for finding where the ball is, and whether that's tape study or instincts or just, you know, whatever, that one extra thing that some guys have, you know, he – track down a ball to Christian McCaffrey on the sideline and make, made a tackle. When the fumble was there, he was the one that picked mm-hmm. it up. It, it, there really is no wrong way to use him. If you want to have him covering the tight end one week, you can do that. If you want to have him line up as an extra linebacker, he can do that. If you want him to line up with a slot guy, he can do that. I mean, I have not seen him be beat consistently in any role since he's been a Tennessee Titan. That play uh, with McCaffrey was just so encouraging uh, because the Titans brought blitz on that one. And uh, if McCaffrey had even a sliver of space uh, between him and the defender, he probably would have taken it maybe 20, 30 yards. But Byard was right on him. 
And uh, I think McCaffrey only got like one yard after the catch. So and that was really know, good yeah, to The see. difference in being at the stadium versus watching on TV is you can see the whole field versus just seeing certain camera angles. And when I realized, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, they're setting up McCaffrey for this pass in the flat. By the time I realized that, I look up and Bayard was already in chase mode coming to yeah. McCaffrey. Yeah, and when you see uh, Melvin Gordon gash just so bad last year with the Chargers, it just looks like that won't happen. You know, there's there's no jitters when it's a faster back. He's not afraid to come down and strike a bigger back. He really just seems to be fearless and come downhill like an Earl Thomas, like you said. Now, you know, we might be a year away from him being that peak all-pro kind of guy because he doesn't play in a cover three where he can really come down as often. But, you know, if they let him play more free in the box, like, they have been in preseason he could make that impact on nearly every play in that five yard range mm-hmm. so we've talked about two players who looked really good yesterday let's turn the table a little bit and talk to, talk about someone who did not look quite as good and that is second year outside linebacker kevin dodd at, at this point I don't know what string pass rusher he is because you obviously have the two big dogs in Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan. And behind them, you have Eric Walden. And I'm not so sure that I wouldn't rather have Aaron Wallace or Josh Carraway, two guys who are more of those speed, twitchy edge rushers, than Dodd, who hasn't shown that he can do anything. Uh, I mean, we were concerned about Dodd um, because of his foot injury. And now we're just blatantly concerned about his level of play. He's shown nothing uh, in the in the action that he's uh, that he's been on the field for. Uh, and Aaron Wallace looks ten times better than he does. Much more of a feel for the pass rush, and he's just quicker. Uh, I mean, Dodd was never going to be like a quick a quick pass rusher, but he, he he just can't really beat his guy at this point. And even Josh Caraway, when he when he, he's coming in. He looks. He just looks better than Kevin Dodd right now. He's faster, uh, more athletic, and he's at least getting into the backfield uh, at a more frequent pace than than Dodd has been. It's it's tough to watch because at times you know you'll focus on him and say, okay, let's watch Kevin Dodd go forward, and his first step will be back or to the side, and he's reading so much. And I don't know if that's because he's playing in that outside linebacker position instead of a four three base end where he can really rush upfield and go. But you can see that he's thinking that the gears are turning and it's really just not clicking for him right now. I hope that more time in this system with LeBeau and actual live action will help him process things quicker and go. And maybe Dick LeBeau can see he's not a guy you want to drop in coverage more than five or six times a game which really shouldn't be his role. He should come in to spell mm-hmm. Derek Morgan and go forward and rush the passer you know, and have that base end size to really help in the run game and maybe get a few sacks along the way. But, but dropping him into coverage is not going to work, and I think they'll see that, and I have to trust Dick LeBeau and the rest of the defensive coaches to say this is the way we have to use him, and he may just have a more finite role going forward. But no, it, th- there's nothing encouraging so far about Kevin Dodd. Yeah, I don't. I, didn't, I haven't liked seeing him uh, uh, go out and cover in the flat. He's done it, I think, a couple times through the first two games, and he just doesn't really look natural doing it. Uh, I'm just concerned because, I mean, he's already a 25-year-old. How much more time is he going to get to 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 blossom? Maybe he's one of those late bloomers that comes into his own later in his career, maybe like a Jerry Hughes or something. But 
It just doesn't seem like that's, that that's a possibility right now. I mean, a backup fullback blew by him on the sideline yesterday. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That guy's fast, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you talked about uh, guys who are late bloomers. Most of those guys have the athleticism you want, and they just find the right scheme later down the road, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't work out. I, Kevin Dodd doesn't have that. He, he's not somebody who's going to show out on track. You know, He didn't blow up the combine, anything like that. He wowed everybody was pro- with his production, especially in the national championship game where he had three sacks. But you know, a 10-sack season in his last year was great. He really came on when he was a full-time starter, and there were some encouraging signs to say maybe he deserved a bigger role and he should have had more buzz and been a first-round guy if he'd have started for more than one year. Now we're coming in, and maybe that was a fluke. Maybe it was just because they used him as a 4-3 base end. Uh, something has to change, though. Yeah. I I mean, I'm going to give John Robinson the benefit of the doubt on this one because he's drafted and made some really good signings, but it's looking like that Dodd pick is, is really going to come back to haunt him. Sure. Over the last several years, the Titans have really, really struggled on special teams, not necessarily – punting or kicking field goals, but returning kicks and covering kicks. its It's been a nightmare over the last two years. Special teams coordinator Bobby April was fired less than halfway through the season last year. But yesterday, was some of the, sitting in that stadium was some of the best kick coverage I've ever seen in the NFL, not just from the Titans. I mean, Carolina Panthers returners were being met almost as soon as they brought the ball out of the end zone, I think twice. They made stops inside the 10-yard line on kickoffs. Uh, it's looking like all of the additions, Eric Weems, Brendan Trawick, Darren Bates, all of those guys that John Robinson added this offseason, it's already paying dividends, and it's exciting. Yeah, it's so beautiful when something you put resources and time into, uh, it actually works out. And right now it's looking like that special team's makeover is working out because – on the first kickoff that the Panthers received, um, I'm not sure who pushed uh, the kick returner like towards the towards the inside, but Treywick met him at the 10 yard line and he made the tackle, which is exactly what he was brought in here to do. And there are a lot of players who are making contributions on special teams. Some players that you wouldn't really expect, uh, like Jason Morrow made two special teams tackles yesterday. Uh, David Fluellen, who had a great game at running back, even made a special teams tackle. So everyone's contributing. It's clear that that the team is better in that area, and it's gonna it's gonna be huge for the team going forward. Yeah, um, I think the biggest improvement is you can see guys who were on the team last year actually making special teams tackles. You said Jay Samaro, you said Fluellen, who wasn't on the active roster last year, but you you had uh, Trey McBride flash a lot both in last game and he did some in this game and uh denora cersei came down and had a really good tackle yeah. where it looked like if he'd have cut one more way he might have sprung but uh, no i mean it was just great coverage blanket coverage when ryan Suckup is the weakest link in your special teams because he missed a field goal and he also made a 50 yard field goal at one point you know that's that's a great day on special teams Suckup had a rough day in general yesterday, too. Yeah, he hit the I, he, upright on one of them, right? Yeah, 
I kind of described it as just kind of having some flair with it just because he was bored of preseason. But, you know, if, <laughs> like I said, if Ryan Suckup is having a bad day, it's it's because he's not taking it serious and he's not really paying attention. You know, he, he's shown throughout the course of a season that it, when he wants the light to come on, it'll come on. But, yeah, I mean, you know, he banked one off the upright and made it in, which is hard to do, and it should count for two points. But that's that's a whole different almost, discussion. Uh, almost pulled an Aguayo. Watch that. <laughs> Don't put that on him. <laughs> oh, no, never. Over the last, also over those last few years, we've dealt with um, Mark Mariani with bricks on his feet. We've dealt with Darius. Oh. We've dealt with Darius Raynaud. We've dealt with Damian Williams, Dexter McCluster. The point I'm getting to is that now we have this shiny new kick returner whose name is Adoree Jackson, a rookie out of USC, and in his first game at Nissan Stadium. He blew by the Carolina defense. It was called back for a penalty, but he looked really, really explosive and much faster than anyone I've ever seen return a punt for the Titans. Dude, he got to the he got to the end zone in like three seconds. It was just a blur. <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately, I mean the penalties brought it back, but I mean that's all I want to see. I just wanted to see him return a punt and do it well. Um, I think uh, I think he had one kickoff return. And uh, he probably shouldn't have taken it out, but I mean it's preseason, so might as well, might as well take the risk and see see if you could do anything with it. Um, but yeah, I mean I know the coaches probably don't want to use him as the kick returner, also, and probably just use him as a punt returner. But I don't see how you don't you don't put him on kick returns if it, anytime he's on the field he could score a touchdown, and, and you just can't take that off the field. Yeah, if if he's not going to be a starting cornerback in any preseason game or if it's week one of the season, you know, if he's going to be a rotational guy, he needs to be on kick return and punt return. He is fast. I mean, Malarkey said after the game, it doesn't matter if he, there's been a flag or not since he's been coaching both. I believe he said as an assistant and as a uh, head coach with the Titans, they, ha- they haven't had a punt return for a touchdown Now you know, I mean, that that's how rare it is. And he did it on his one real punt return with any sort of room. I mean, I mean, he just looked different. And you can talk about the holds and all that. The Supernaw thing was not not very impactful. He had already cut off that, that guy before Supernaw made contact. I, I don't think that was ever going to be an issue. But, you know, mm-hmm. two flags, wh- whatever. It, it looked like the other guys were just stopped. The kicker and uh, whoever was back there with him. It looked like they had just stopped and he was just slowly running away from them. I mean, it, we hadn't seen that kind of speed in the open field in a long time. Yeah, also, it's it's just good because, uh, I mean, there have been no reports uh, that say, like, Adoree, um, not not struggles on punt returns or whatever or on kick returns, but there's been no reports where he's, like, fumbling a punt return or anything or, or doing anything risky with it. So he's not really a risk uh, wherever you put him back there, and he's also, also has a huge reward uh, because he could return it at any point. I'll go one step farther. I don't think there's been any negative report on Adoree Jackson in any phase. I think the yeah, worst thing Mike Malarkey said about him is he's not trusting himself quick enough, which means mm-hmm. he knows where the play's going and he makes the play. He just doesn't make an interception on every play. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he's trying to shield him from mistakes that might burn him and might get in his head, but when Adoree's out there, he doesn't miss tackles. He doesn't let people get mm-hmm. easy completions. 
he he's all over the field. There was one play where there was kind of a rub route, and he had to come from more of the center field across and make a tackle. And he made a really good open field tackle, grabbing somebody up top, you know, up around the waist, and them sliding off, and him going back down around their ankles and making a tackle. Uh, he he really has not looked bad in any phase of the game yet. And I think there's a lot of upside with the Doria Jackson. I think he's going to start for this team sooner rather than later. There have been multiple times in practices where I've looked at a Dory returning a punt and I've been like, oh, he should have called a fair catch. And then I blink and he's, you know, 30 yards down the field. He, he's that kind of player. And, you know, I've heard it talked about where the Titans haven't really, since Chris Johnson was in his prime, had that player where the ball's in their hands and all of the fans are on the edge of their seats or, or stand up to watch the player because they know if the ball's in this guy's hand, it could be in the end zone in about four seconds. Dory Jackson is that guy. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Tyreek Hill last year with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever he touched the ball on a kick or punt return, you kind of felt that he was going all the way. Um, I, I don't know if Dory Jackson is as dynamic, but there's been no reason to believe that he isn't. Um, so just to have that kind of player on your team is huge just um, from a football standpoint standpoint and from a fun standpoint also i mean you look at his college stats uh as a punt returner not not as a kick returner where he had four touchdowns as a punt returner he returned the ball 46 times and had four touchdowns that's nearly 10 percent of the time you're scoring a touchdown if you get half that rate in the nfl and you get two touchdowns you're one of two guys a year that gets that number it's it's Mm -hmm. rare to score on a punt return touchdown and we saw him do it with little to no effort and he scored like six catching touchdowns, I think, receiving touchdowns or whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's a dynamic player with the ball in his hands anyway. But, you know, just as a return man, a guy who can put mm-hmm. up two touchdowns, completely flip the flow of the game, it's just, it's rare and unheard of. And he's got a good chance to do it in his first year. I want to yeah. bring up someone that I kind of have mixed opinions about, and that's Derek Henry. Because he's someone where if if he gets the edge and he's in open space, it's really hard to tackle him. But I think that he gets a little too much credit for what he's able to do between the tackles. Like, like he's not exactly hitting these holes with acceleration and falling forward for seven yards. He looks really almost slow when he gets the ball running between the tackles. And I think he's slightly overrated in that regard. Do you guys agree? Luke, this is this is a hot take right here. We need an <laughs> alarm sound for this one. <laughs> no, but I kind of, I mean, I'm not going to say I agree with you because I still think Derrick Henry would be a 1,000 yard back in this offense if uh, if Demarco were to go down or or something happened to him. But I mean, you take out the 17 yard uh, run yesterday, and I think he averaged what, what was it, uh, maybe 16 yards on 16 carries or something, or yeah, something about great. there. That is not, I mean, I know that's a really tough uh, run defense in the Panthers, but they were missing Luke Keekley. Um, I guess some of it can be attributed to the offensive line not opening uh, a good amount of holes, but he does seem, he he goes laterally from time to time, maybe a bit too much. I kind of want to see him just go straight forward. Um, I do, I do kind of see what you're saying that he's a little bit slow in his, uh, in his recovery, I'm not sure if that's uh, if that's him being patient and trying to wait for a hole to open up, but um, no, I feel you. He's definitely not Demarco Murray at this point in his career. So I'm going to kind of ride the fence and go both ways. Um, I agree with you because I think he runs straight up too often, 
and you see him at six three in the middle of the pile, standing straight up, running into guys and leaning forward and ready to take that you know three yard gain or whatever that he gets, which is fine. Three yards in a cloud of dust. We've heard it forever. That'll get a touchdown every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I think there's an issue is the Titans want to run this tight formation, which brings everybody inside. And against a team like the Colts or the Jaguars, who, you know, I think the Jaguars are overrated on defense, but we can talk about that another time, but (laughs) who I think have pieces that don't really fit uh, and who you can kind of run into like that, a tight formation is fine because as soon as you get a crease, you're gone. But against the the Jets, who have one of the best defensive lines in football, and the Panthers, who have one of the best defensive lines in football, it's hard to tighten everything up and give them a gap and say, you know, run here, even though these guys are going to be waiting, assuming it's going to be a run. Um, If I'm going to use Derrick Henry, I'm going split formation. I've got two guys on each side, and he's in the backfield with me, like they did on that fourth down run, where it was a spread Mm -hmm. up in the field, a spread out. You hand it to him, and you let him build up speed, run behind Conklin or Lawan, and have a pulling guard, and just let them clear the way. You know he does best when there's not eight guys in the box, nine guys in the box, because that's what he saw forever in college. Is because you know Saban and Kiffin would spread everybody out with uh, Amari Cooper, who, whoever they had at the time, and run it run in between like that. They didn't run two tight end sets with two wide receivers lined up close to the ball. So if you want to use him as an inside runner, spread the formation out, let him get that crease. If you want to use him as an outside mm-hmm. runner, then you can bunch everybody up and have that crack block with Rashard Matthews and Trey McBride, like like they've tried to do, do a couple of times, and do that. But you have to have a clear plan with how to use him, whereas DeMarco Murray can run inside and out with almost no – no game plan ahead of time because he's a better, more developed runner at this point. Yeah, I want to go back to that fourth down run that you talked about because it kind of just signals um, how infuriating sometimes that Terry Robisky is. I'm still not sold on on him. I don't think I'll ever be sold on him as our, our offensive coordinator, even though we've done some good things. But on that, that was a great play call on that fourth and two because uh, Derrick Henry was split out wide. Uh, and we were in an empty set, and then he, they motioned Henry into the backfield. And uh, when they did that, I think the Panthers had maybe five, maybe six players in the box. I'm, I mean, if Derrick Henry gets a box like that, he's going to gash you every time, especially with our offensive line. So we should be running we should be running four wide receivers or at least three wide receivers and, and maybe Delaney Walker split out. And then just let Derrick Henry or DeMarco Murray just gash these weak boxes because, honestly, that's when our, deep, when our offense is – uh, running at its its peak potential. Yeah, and we, we can talk about John New Smith later, but he's a guy you can oh. use as a fullback slash wing slash tight end slash wide receiver. He's just that mm-hmm. athletic, and you can see it already. So that's a guy who may, you know, between him and Eric Decker, you may get that jumbo slot guy you've been wanting, and then if they go big, you can just put in Taewon Taylor and let him go. Mm-hmm. We spent a lot of time in our last recap episode when we talked about the Titans versus the Jets talking about how bad Alex Tanney was this game, or uh, in that game. Yet against the Carolina Panthers, Matt Castle came in in relief of Marcus Mariota and looked spectacular. Um, there was I don't think there ever was a, a quarterback battle. If there was, it's over because Matt Castle is very clearly – the best option behind Mariota. 
that was the quarterback battle was just made up by the hashtag Alex Tanny fan club that has like one, maybe two, maybe two people. One on of it. them being Chris <laughs> there. Freud it, it and exists. one of them being Alex yeah, Tanny's yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want a name call, but yeah, no, pretty much. Yeah, but I actually thought Alex Tanny looked pretty good when he was going up against third stringers in this game. Definitely looked much better than the than the Jets game. But yeah, to talk about Matt Castle, it's just so clear um how much better he is than Alex Tanny uh and just how much more of of a command he has over an offense and how he could just run an offense and I mean I said this before that he looked really good in week 17 last year when he was running the offense with Marcus Mariota out and I'm just really confident in him uh as our backup Uh, I mean I I wouldn't say that if we didn't have Mariota that that he would lead us to 10 wins or anything like that but he would at least he wouldn't be the reason for you losing games, and I think that's all you really need in a backup quarterback. And something else you need in a backup quarterback is uh, is for him to run over linebackers like Matt Castle did yesterday. That was amazing. <laughs> oh, that was yeah. the weirdest thing he, I've he's ever gonna seen. Make... He, it wasn't like he trucked him. It was like he ran into him with his shoulder, yeah. bounced back, and somehow was still on his feet, and then kept running. <laughs> well, he'll pumped. make the he'll make the team as a fullback if he doesn't make it as a quarterback. <laughs> uh, you know, it's weird because it'll never happen, but with everything that Matt Castle does, it's just a little bit slower. I would love to see him come out and drive the first-team offense and then have Mariota come out and drive the first-team offense because you can see the zip on Mariota's balls, and you can you can just see how crisp everything is and how flat the passes are and how he doesn't have to throw them with an arc. And then Castle comes in, and everything's a little bit slower and a little bit less clean. He, he, and, at times, and he looks almost like a baseball pitcher, like winding up and then following yeah. through <laughs> with his back leg going back. Yeah, like Blake Bortles with better decision making. Uh, it, it's it's all it's all kind of really slow and looping and all that. But he makes good decisions, and his ball placement isn't bad. It, it's just it's not fast and crisp, and you know credit to the offensive line because if you can give him time he can pass for 200 yards game but he's not gonna you know he's not gonna be Mariota which is fine no no backup quarterback is Mariota even the first round guys taken this year so you, you know it's it's good to have Castle there it's good to see him come back and really step up and say this is his job and you know that Tanny may may not make the roster or they may keep three I guess if they really like Tanny for whatever reason but you know Matt Castle is going to be this team's backup quarterback now when is uh Tyler Ferguson going to get some playing time he got playing time oh, he yesterday got the he, he took two knees <laughs> yeah he yeah. yeah the kneels <laughs> I, it was, that was the uh, funniest thing ever when uh he, uh, he strutted out there, and I hear over the, the PA system, now at quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, number five, Tyler Ferguson. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> like why does he get kneel down duty? It's, yeah, that's weird. Uh, He's going to play in the, in the last one, in the fourth preseason yeah. game. So. I bet I bet he plays like three snaps. I mean, I bet they really put Tanny through the ringer, especially since, you know, spoiler alert, Corey Davis is probably going to play in the fourth preseason yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I saw that. And uh, this is interesting. Mariota has played one series in both of the Titans' fourth preseason games that he's been on the team for. And I don't know that I wouldn't. I mean, I I honestly think he could play a drive in this one, especially if Corey Davis is playing. Yeah. Do do you all remember that... uh... That preseason game, his rookie year, it, it seemed like they almost wanted him out there against backups just to throw his first touchdown because he had not thrown a touchdown yet, and it was right, to yeah. Harry Douglas. It was the little uh, – it was like a crosser, and no one touched him. Yeah, 
yeah, and he took it up the sideline, and all those fourth stringers were just looking at Harry Douglas blaze him. <laughs> He's a preseason legend. <laughs> so you, you mentioned Corey Davis. Uh, Coach Mike Malarkey said earlier that there's a good chance he plays in that fourth preseason game. Someone else that uh, has apparently made progress is Tajay Sharp. Uh, it, it sounded he didn't he didn't actually comment on his pup status, but it sounds like Tajay Sharp is not a candidate to start the season on the six week pup list, and that he's probably mm-hmm. if he's on the team actually on the active roster. Yeah, um, I'm a little not not confused. Well, yeah, no, I'm confused. I don't know what the Titans are going to do at receiver. Um, I've been looking, uh, and Paul Kuharski actually just like tweeted at someone, uh, and he thinks that the Titans are going to keep seven receivers. So it would be Matthews, Davis, Decker, Taylor, uh, Sharp, Harry Douglas, and Weems. Um, so that would be seven. And Weems would be the only one there that kind of plays special teams, except, I mean, maybe Taiwan. Taiwan's been playing some special teams. I'm not sure if he would. Maybe Harry Douglas would play also. But, I mean, I, I, I personally wouldn't keep seven. Uh, but, I mean... Harry Douglas is going to make the team. My, my, and, my, uh, uh, it seems like – go ahead. I was just going to say my thing with Eric Weems is show me something he can do that Trey McBride can't when it comes to yeah. special teams. I totally agree, but I don't think the coaches agree because I think they're just going to defer to the veteran, which is Eric Weems, and just, just give him that spot, I guess maybe just for, for comfort or whatever. But Trey McBride, I mean – He's he's a he's a really good special teams player and and as you saw yesterday he he's really good as a receiver too when given the opportunity. Uh, I really want him to make the team, but I mean right now it's an uphill battle. And uh, given the coaches usually tend to favor veterans, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure that he makes the team. Yeah, you know I'm looking at the roster now. I don't know why they don't keep three tight ends two quarterbacks and keep seven wide receivers and just let mm-hmm. Tajay Sharp start out, start out on PUP. You know, let him start out there, keep Trey McBride, keep Eric Weems, keep Harry Douglas all on the roster. Then if something ha- – because that, that's fine depth. There's nothing wrong with that. Go into the season like that knowing that in six weeks you're going to get an injection of talent and maybe, maybe one of those guys gets hurt or maybe they don't – you know, maybe one of the bottom guys, you know, doesn't have – the season that you think they'll have and you can say, okay, and you can let them go then, but there's no advantage doing it this way. Not, not taking advantage of Tajay Sharp being on the PUP list, let him get all the way healthy, game the system a little bit. You know, it, it's the Patriots way to take advantages when they're there. Mm-hmm. And Robinson is a Patriots way guy. It, it would surprise me unless Mike Malarkey really wants to see what Tajay Sharp has, or if he wants to advertise him for a trade, or if they're going to trade mm-hmm. one of their other receivers or something like that, you know, that's the only reason I could see you taking Tajay Sharp off PUP. But other than that, it, it doesn't make sense to me. The numbers don't make sense. You're too talented to bring a guy up when you've got this loophole mm-hmm. in the system and you can just let him rest. Yeah, it doesn't make sense because if Sharp uh, comes back and he, even if he's fully healthy, uh, which is, I mean, which is a big if because I mean he's coming off a foot injury that's pretty serious, and for a receiver, it's. Uh, it's important. Um, I'm not sure how effective he would be, uh, even in a role that at this point looks like it's the fifth receiver behind Matthews, Davis, Decker, and Taylor. Uh, I just don't see a point in in getting that fifth receiver and not just not just using someone else uh, who can play special teams. 
uh, in that spot. So someone that you clearly wanted to talk a little bit more about as we were discussing things earlier is uh, Jonu Smith, the rookie tight end, third-round draft pick. Uh, he did a lot of things yesterday. He's done a lot of things in the preseason. You mentioned him playing fullback. He's played inline tight end. He He's going to wear a lot of hats for the Titans this year, I think. Uh, he's going to have a big role. And so far in the preseason, anyway, he's shown that he will be up to the task. Yeah, I, I mean, I've condemned tight end screens before. But if you've got John New Smith out there, go ahead and try it. I mean, he's fast. He's got balance on the sidelines. He's got good hands. You know, there was, there was a play midway through the game where he goes up to get a pass. The safety comes crashing down trying to hit him in the leg so he can't make the catch. And the safety bounces off, and he just lands on his feet and falls forward. And the safety has to be taken off because it's like hitting a brick wall. I mean, he's a solid tight end that can play split out. He can play a fullback. Uh, Mike Malarkey said today that they asked him if he wants to come out, and they said they've never heard him say yes. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes sense for practice reports. You hear him working with the ones, twos, and threes. You know, there's been nothing but glowing reviews from him, and everything we've seen on the field with him with a competent quarterback has been good. Yeah, he was he was probably the best player on the field yesterday uh, for some stretches. He led the Titans in catches uh, with five, and he had 47 yards. Uh, and if you look at some of like the analytical or metrics uh, on him, he's one of the most athletic tight ends that, um, that we've seen in, in a little bit of time coming out of these draft classes. Uh, and it shows on the field. Uh, he was making he was making incredible runs after the catch yesterday. He was evading tacklers. He looked really shifty, really quick. Um, I think he's going to make. I mean, he's not going to make a huge impact because Delaney this year uh, because Delaney is still. Is still in his prime somehow, even though he's 33 years old. He's still as good as ever. Uh, but yeah, John is going to be a serious, a seriously good tight end for us uh, for the for these next four or five years. Yeah, and on the 50-plus yard run for David Flewellen, they run towards Jonu Smith. He tries to get the inside leverage on an out, on an outside linebacker. The linebacker swims him, and Jonu Smith almost from his knees recovers and blocks that guy out. Flewellen runs right behind that block for 57 yards. I mean, he he's doing more than just catching passes and being a decoy. I mean, he's a really good player, and you can leave him in line if you want to flex Delaney Walker out and give yourself some real uh, personnel problems with other teams. I mean, it, it, he's going to be a really good player, whether he shows up as a fullback, t- uh, inline tight end, or as a flex guy. Mm-hmm. That versatility is key. Mm-hmm. One last thing I want to hit on before we get out of here. We, we talked a little bit about it as we were planning the show. Uh, whether or not Jayon Brown should become one of the Titans' two starting inside linebackers. Unlike you two, I am a fan of Avery Williamson, but only on first and second down. And I, I think mm-hmm. I would rather have Williamson and Woodyard, two more prototypical-sized linebackers, playing on first and second down at this point anyway, and only Jayon Brown playing on third down and in nickel packages. But I think you guys might, will anyway, might disagree with that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'll go ahead and start this. Uh, Okay, so I think Jayon Brown can do, can be the peak of what both of the other linebackers can be. I think he can run stuff just as well as Avery Williamson, even though he hadn't really shown it yet. He showed it some in the Jets game, but he played more outside with a team that, you know, has depth at running back and wide receiver and the Panthers. Uh, I mean, yesterday he's the reason 
why the Titans really sealed the game early with that tipped interception. He he makes plays that other people don't make. Um, I don't see a reason why he shouldn't be on the field for 800 snaps this season. If you want Avery Williamson in on rundowns, that's fine. Leave Avery Williamson out there and take Wesley Woodyard out, and John Brown can be a rangy, weak side linebacker. If you want Avery Williamson out there, that's fine. Take uh, If you want Wesley Woodyard out there, take Avery Williamson out and leave John Brown in, and he can do the same thing. If those guys, you know, if you want to go with that lighter package that Wesley Woodyard and Jayon Brown combination, go ahead and move Cyprian in the box if you want somebody who's a better run stuffer. Or Kevin Byard, they can both do it. You know, you can make those adjustments now that you have two really good safeties behind them. But Jayon Brown makes plays for this team, and he stops tight ends from abusing him in the middle of the field, which was the nightmare that kept them out of the playoffs last year. Yeah, that that's something that needs to happen for the Texans. It needs to happen for Mercedes Lewis and the Jaguars. It needs to happen. It, the whole division is stacked with mediocre to good tight ends that can hurt this team and have in the past. And I don't see any reason to leave Jayon off the field. Yeah, I think uh, I think Jayon Brown could even play both of their positions, and we could just play with ten players on the field. <laughs> He's that good. <laughs> now the play he made yesterday was one of the most athletic plays from a linebacker I think I've ever seen from a, at least from a Titans perspective when's the last time we saw a Titans linebacker do something like that uh maybe Zach Brown every now and then which is interesting because he's wearing the same number as Zach Brown used to wear um yeah. and in has terms the same last him, name as Zach Brown yeah yeah right yeah it's kind of better way better even though Zach Brown made the Pro <laughs> I, I don't Bowl know, last year, I don't know I that think. anyone owned a Zach Brown jersey but if you did it is now back in good use <laughs> yeah that's that's very clutch um yeah but jayon brown i mean i i understand not playing him on the first two two downs because avery williamson is a very adept uh run stopper but i mean i think it's going to depend who who they're playing against uh if we play a run heavy team that's fine just use jayon on on obvious passing downs but i mean when we play pass happy teams he needs to be out there not on every play, but nearly on every play, because a lot of teams just are going to pass on you on first and second down, and they're going to do it with these, with these quick and shifty uh, run, running backs and tight ends. And if Avery Williamson is out there for, or during a lot of those plays, he's going to get exposed. Like I hate to say it because he's really good against the run, but he just hasn't shown the ability to cover well uh, on a consistent basis. So I think it, it's going to depend on the matchup, but I, I'm fine with Jayon Brown playing on first and second down whenever needed because he's shown to be able to to, to make some stops in the run game, even though he's undersized. Uh, he can still do that, too. I think uh, one thing LeBeau has preached this offseason, and he said it every time he's been in front of the media, is he wants more game-changing plays, more turnovers, more negative plays. And I'm not making this comparison, but I've seen it out there that some people say they haven't seen a Titans linebacker who've made these kinds of plays since Keith Bullock. And I get mm-hmm. it. I mean, he is that rangy kind of guy. Now he's not. He doesn't have like the real weird length that Keith Bullock had, and you know he may not be Keith Bullock yet, or he may never be Keith Bullock because Keith Bullock is probably the Titans' best linebacker in their history as purely the Titans. Keith, but Keith Bullock still you know, looks like he could suit up. Oh yeah, yeah I mean. Yeah, he he looks, you know, he looks like if we need him in a pinch, we can just pull him out. But, you know, he, you know, Jayon Brown, if he can give you 50% of what Keith Bullock did, or if he can just tip a ball every now and then, or just cover a tight end, or force a fumble, or, you know, be that kind of playmaker, then you've got to have him on the field. 
Next week, we will be joined by analytics expert at Gemetrics. We're going to talk to him about the nose tackle position. We're going to talk about Corey Davis to Dory Jackson, Kalen Reed, someone that he really likes. And I'm going to talk to him about uh, some of my favorite players for selfish reasons, uh, Darius Slay and Patrick Peterson. All that next week or coming up this week on the Titan-sized podcast. Until then, for Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. We'll see everybody next week.